What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to my print story, a podcast telling your personal print stories. I'm your host, Dana Marshall. On this week's episode, we're talking to Prince fam, Jason Moore. Jason and I go way back to the 90s together, but we're going to talk all about that right here. Enjoy. Hello, Jason. Hello, sir. Now, Jason, can you remember how we met? Well, we first met speaking on the phone. We were both um, disc jockeys in a middle market radio town. Okay, do you, but do you remember why we were speaking on the phone? Yeah, we both worked overnights, and uh, I, well, I guess there wasn't the term then. We kind of got catfished. Actually, I think it started out with me prank phone calling you. Yeah, well, we, we that's worked, right. We worked for competing radio stations. That's right. You would call and make requests. I would call and, and screw with you on the studio line. <laughs> that's right, because it was like 3 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, and we had nothing better to do. Yeah. Then somehow, in all of the pranking back and forth between you and I, uh, somehow we discovered that we were both ginormous Prince fans. Absolutely. I think that we got on the, the topic because I was complaining that the station that I worked at, which upbeat variety of 70s, 70s 80s, 80s, and 90s, and of the 80s, they would never play any Prince ever. And I think I went on some type of weird rant. And we used to call it the best variety of Rod Stewart and Elton John. Yeah. That's and Mariah Carey. Can't oh, okay. leave Mariah yeah. out. And uh, yeah, we just started chatting and, and then I realized, oh my God, there's another freak in the world and he's in the same city that I'm in, it was almost like being a part of a, of a secret society that other people weren't into because they just didn't get it. And that was exciting for me. Finally, I had someone I could chat with uh, on a, a level, a emotional level and spiritual level about Prince's music. And boy, did we. We hung out and listened to Prince all the time. Now, I don't know if you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and I follow tons of Prince fam and we talk all the time and we're always there for each other. Like that didn't exist back then. No. And we kind of got picked on for being Prince fans in high school. So when you found another person, you're like, oh my God, you and I, we're together. That's right. That's right. So then we jump in a car with a couple of friends. That's right. And we go to Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. We went to a it was called Prince Fest, I Prince believe. Fest. I can't believe you remember yeah, Prince Fest. Yeah, we went to Prince Fest, and it was like this little convention, <laughs> and they had a really bad Prince impersonator, I remember. We had a great time with that really bad Prince yeah. impersonator. Did you? You I, either got on stage or he handed the mic down to you, and you were uh, singing My Name is Prince with him. I No. No? I was singing Erotic City with him. Okay. The My Name is Prince is when we were sitting at the stoplight and I had the window rolled down and we were singing it and the people next to us started cracking up and then they realized... Do you want to give us a taste? How you would... No, good to God. No, I couldn't do it anymore. You, you had the best... Prince. Oh, God, that's so old. Those were the days. Oh, yeah. So so the Prince Fest thing was great. I don't think something like that could work today, but if it could, I am there. Uh, Prince impersonator on stage, rumors going around that Prince is actually here. We right. know he wasn't. But then there would be a whole banquet room full of people selling Prince bootlegs, allegedly. And, and somebody allegedly bought 
some autographed Love Sexy albums, allegedly. We allegedly spent so much money for being in our early to mid-20s in yeah. that whole yeah. situation. Yeah. We, we actually went to two different Prince Fests out there in yeah. Ohio. That's right. Man, that was and so I think the fun. second one, they had a guy walking around from some... He claimed he was a reporter, and he was he was spreading that Prince had gotten married, and what was our thoughts on that? Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, get out of here. He's never getting married. Get so out of here with that. We had very little money. We stuffed... Five people in a car, mm-hmm. and we also all share one hotel room. That's right. You are a snorer, my friend. Yes, and I am. Because we were saving our money to blow it all yeah. on the bootlegs, allegedly, yeah. and, and Prince posters and all that. And so we had two beds and two guys and three girls, if I remember correctly. That's right. It was right. miserable. <laughs> oh, I wasn't miserable. I was no. sleeping between two girls. I was comfortable. Well, I was on the floor, if I recall. So how'd that yeah, work? That's yeah, yeah. I guess the snoring pays off. You get to stay warm at least. Well, if you see pictures of me from back then, you'll understand why I was on the floor alone. But um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk a little bit about your relationship with Prince, if you will. So what what was that moment? The first time you heard Prince? Do you remember it? The first time I heard Prince was my cousin Kyle is his name really was into a lot of of funk and so he was playing gap band and he was playing off the wall and I heard a snippet of Dirty Mind mm-hmm. on the from the record player record is this vinyl thing kids <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really great. And they used to put these things called albums together, which had a, you know, a chronological order to them and was kind of trying to tell you a story. But I heard a, a snippet of Dirty Mind and, you know, he always would let me listen to music. And so I, I come in and I'm like, who is that? And he shows me the album cover. I'm like, who is that? Because it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen, but it was also really funky. Right. So I really enjoyed that. But of course, what really hit it for me more than anything else was obviously when 1999 popped out and became such a popular album, double album. Right. I bought the cassette, would never let my mom listen to it once I got to Let's Pretend We're Married. But when I heard DMSR the first time. DMSR, that's what I was thinking the whole time after you mentioned it. When I heard that, that was it for me. Oh, yeah. It's the keyboard drives the whole thing. Oh, yeah. It's just incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That's one of those albums that you can still go back to today. And as a Prince fan, I'm not talking about the hits. I don't want to hear 1999, Lord Corbett, even Delirious. I want to hear... Uh, something in the water does not compute. Mm-hmm. I want to hear free. free. Yeah. I want to hear uh, DMSR. Let's pretend we're married. Yeah. Even Lady Cab Driver. Is oh one of yeah. The funkiest jams. Yeah. But that is one of those albums that, geez, that that thing still holds up today. Easy. Oh yeah. That's one of the things that I first was able to get into with Prince that I was to a lesser degree to able to get into with other people. I, Michael Jackson was just a greatest hits compilation. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Prince was telling a story. And so, yeah, you were like looking forward to the next summer, basically, because he was cranking them out like hotcakes. But it was getting the album and hearing everything else around it is what mm-hmm. I was excited about. Yeah. All right. So I can easily look at a million different ways where Prince has impacted my life in a way that may have even changed the trajectory or the direction I was going in. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have those moments? Oh, absolutely. Part of it is, and you can't hear it uh, over this, but I, I'm him and I had, in my view, a, a lot of similarities. I'm the fat version of Prince, I guess. I'm half black and half white. Okay. My father was black, mother was white. Uh, my dad had some substance abuse issues and could be violent. Um, I'm very short. I didn't get any of the great stereotypes of, of being black, <laughs> you know. So I related to that in a way just 
physically seeing him and wanted to emulate being that type of person. So, you know, in high school, and I, I got involved with music very young. I, I didn't, you know, take up guitar, but I was a band geek. I played several different instruments, um, acted in theater. But he was able to touch in me different aspects of my personality, uh, whether it was, you know, lust, whether it was searching for faith, whether it was just being angry sometimes, mm -hmm. being sad, falling in love. He was able, through his music, to touch each one of those personalities. And then, obviously, the giving and the things that he did and the support that he's provided, you know, literally has guided me to, to what I do for a profession in my life right now. I'm a social worker, and I help take care of people. And right. So those things, well, you know, I'm, I don't want to put him on the pedestal of, like, Jesus, but he was certainly inspirational, and I felt a connection with him through his music. I didn't need to see him being interviewed everywhere to get a sense of, of being able to relate to what he was saying, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, I felt like I was always awkward and I didn't fit in, and all of a sudden mm. I felt like I, I became okay with it because of Prince. That's yeah. one thing that really yeah. triggered for me. Well, I, where, where I grew up, I was the only quote-unquote African-American in an all-white town. Yeah. And so I didn't fit in with a lot of the folks there. And for a larger part with, with some of my black family, I didn't really fit in there either because I'm this bumpkin and, you know, like I said, he made me feel accepted for my weirdness. I mean, this guy's walking around in a thong and thigh-high boots mm -hmm. and a red bandana and he's still the baddest person in the room. Right. And that was very empowering for someone else who didn't fit in anywhere. Yeah. I, I blame Prince for the fact that I, I do think he turned me into a freak. Uh, thanks, Prince. He, he definitely shifted me in a lot of different directions. It's it's also going to see him live in concert, oh. which makes you realize I can do things better in my life than I've been doing. Like you see Prince do things at a level yeah. where he's not just the best that you've ever seen. He's the best that anyone's ever seen yeah. at anything he does. When you're there and you're witnessing it, it almost inspires you to you think I can be bigger than who I am. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's when he passed, that's what hit me harder than anything else is, yeah, we're always going to have the, the records and the, and the music, the recorded music. But I weeped or wept, excuse me, for the generations coming after who were not going to get to experience church mm -hmm. in that way. Right. And, you know, what you don't see from, from the guy who's, you know, humping the stage or I, I was watching, I was watching a parade concert on Facebook the other day and he's they're singing head right and it's basically you know 10 minutes of him like making love to this mic stand on the floor yeah and i'm like no nobody's ever going to see something that fun and and carefree again but what you don't see from that is all the things in the outer parts of the arena uh, the, the the booth set up to promote education and and business growth mm -hmm. those were things that his charities did uh, food drives you never saw any of that stuff and and he didn't stand up and at an award show and say hey support me doing this it was him behind the scenes yeah. doing it in fact i think the last concerts we went to in chicago together yep wasn't anything he was out promoting it was to build a educational awareness with uh, the fellow who wears the purple ties now that's I right can't even that, think of his that name was now. both our last prince concert yeah. was uh rosemont horizon no 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 it was, it was actually in chicago at the united center at the united he was doing center. a three-night stand yeah we were at night two of that and night two of it the first night the sound system had been messed up i think it, it was, was called welcome Life. to chicago if, yeah. I'm, if i'm not mistaken yeah luckily night two the the sound was fan fantastic, fantastic. And we had different seats, but 
uh, someone came up to let me know, oh, listen, these seats aren't very good. We have better seats for you. I'm like, yeah. what? And they moved us to better seats. It was incredible. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer Hudson came on stage she for that sang, concert. She sang with them. That's right. Uh, that was a killer show. After that concert, I went to the after party mm-hmm. at the House of Blues. Mm-hmm. And I was the first person there. I did not waste time. I was gone. As mm-hmm. soon as the show was over, I was gone. And I was standing there right at the stage and had to stand there for like an hour. Next thing you know, the place is packed. I'm pushed up against the mm-hmm. stage. And Prince just walks out. And he's right in front of me, like a foot and a half. Yeah. And he says, I got to save my voice for tomorrow night's show. I'm not going to do a lot of singing. I hope that's all right. And then he starts playing his guitar. And at one point, he looked right at me. And he spun his guitar around, so he's holding it by the neck. Uh-huh. And he holds it down like he's handing me his guitar. Uh-huh. And like an idiot, I reach up, <laughs> thinking Prince is giving me his guitar. And then he shook his head no at me and, and then spun off on his high heels. It was all like, my, the whole time I thought, I just made that up. That didn't just happen. And I turned to strangers and, did that just happen? They went, that just happened. Like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. That was like my big Prince moment. And it was well, the I, last I, show. Yeah, I think it's great. He'd say, uh, you know, I'm trying to save my voice. I hope it's okay with you. I'm like, dude, you could just sit and read the phone book and it'd be more interesting to me yeah. than, than most I'm people. I'm near you. I don't care what yeah. you do. Yeah. I don't care what you do. Yeah. You and I have seen... Three concerts together. Three Prince concerts, right? Do we I did Grand right? Rapids. Grand Rapids together. Uh, Chicago twice. The first Chicago one was well, the Emancipation. first one we did together. No, no, that was um, Rosemont Horizon. We brought a couple people. It was their first Prince concerts. And we told that one girl, you're going to cry when he comes out. And then he came out and she cried. We called it. Oh. But that was that was 90s. That was like, uh, it wasn't Emancipation. It was before that. Really? Yeah. I can't. I, there's been too many. Yeah, because I, 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 I t- went to a, the, the psycho tizzy if he was in Chicago, because where I lived, I was in a, in a three hour drive between Detroit, Indianapolis and Chicago. So when he was doing yeah. all of these, I'd hit all of them at the same time. Yeah. And I do know you brought me up to one at Grand Rapids. I do remember that. Yeah. We had the luxury box. We had one. the luxury box. That was that was pretty nice. I actually currently work for the radio station that got us those tickets, too. Oh, <laughs> bless your heart. They have me for life now. All right. So. Uh, as far as Prince concerts go, how many have you seen have, uh, or been to? I want to say close to 19 or 20. Okay, 19 concerts. I've done seven Prince shows, so thanks a lot to inviting me to all the concerts you went to. Well, jerk. You're a big radio man. I just assumed you were hanging out there and you were just, you know, hanging with the cool kids. Big radio man. I don't think this is the time for fat jokes, but thanks. <laughs> All right, so since you've been, well, you're way more of a Prince expert than I could ever oh, be then. I don't know about all that, but. What would be your favorite Prince tour? Um, well, honestly, you know, it's kind of like picking your favorite child, but uh, for me, it was One Night Alone. I didn't see the One Night Alone tour. Obviously, I've seen videos yeah. floating around on the internet. The, the Rainbow Children album was what he prominently played throughout there, and, and it gave me a new perspective, because I didn't really care for the album. But, you know, when Prince has come into town, it was at the Chicago Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to go. And so Maybe I did see that tour. I saw, I thought it was just a Rainbow Children tour, maybe uh, because he did the whole album and throughout the concert, kept making my ex-wife mad by saying, I'm not going to be playing any hits tonight. If you're here, right. if 
if you're a Purple Rain head, you might as well go home. And then my ex-wife would look at me and shoot me daggers. Right. And, and, and I would say, we're not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. not going home. Yeah. And that's it, it, that's where he finished with Anastasia. And that's where it gave... It, but what I enjoyed about that tour more than anything else was it gave me an appreciation for, for the Rainbow Children. Because, like I said, I didn't really care for that album at all. But the Everlasting Now, the way he did that live with the guitar solos and the, the, the sax solos through there... It, that's the best rendition of that song, and give that a, give that a listen on there. Prince has so many different flavors, so many completely different flavors, that you can take an album like the Rainbow Children, and maybe that album was out at a bad time for you. You weren't mentally or emotionally ready for that kind of music because of, like, we were younger then, right? Yeah. But now... Now that I'm 45, I can go back and listen to the Rainbow Children album and have a completely different love and feel for the album. Yeah. It's like that with a couple yeah. albums where an album first comes out, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's not what I was expecting out of Prince, yeah. but now... Planet, Planet Earth was, was that for me, too. That I, is a great example. I was like, I, this sucks when I first got it. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you let it simmer for a while and you realize you've got to catch up. Right. Because some of the Prince albums on first listen, Sign the Times, it was my favorite thing that's ever happened to my ears. Yeah. I mean, yeah. from track one to the very final track. Yeah. In fact, that leads me to a question. Have you ever used a Prince lyric as like a pickup line oh, or God, a door? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. That's mine, too. <laughs> of course. The last track on Sign the Times. Of course. If God one day struck me blind, that's your beauty, it. I'd still see. Yeah. Just uh, don't I'm, smash up the ride. Maybe not the ride. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've used that line in, in Love Letters like back in the day. Well, why he was so important to me is because he could put into words and phrases how I felt in ways that I couldn't. Oh, sure. So, hell yeah, I'd crib. I mean, everybody cribs. Comedians now are cribbing from Eddie Murphy. You know, if it's going to work for him, it, it, it did okay. And it, it went, did okay. it's so easy when you're dating someone that's not a huge Prince fan, you can easily rip Prince off oh, and yeah. nobody knows. No. <laughs> I used to do the... Um, the whole I wish I was the water in your bath segment from Oh from, from Under the Cherry under Moon. Under the Cherry Moon. And uh, yeah that the most disturbing lines yeah. ever come out of Prince's mouth, seriously. <laughs> if I was anything other than a human, I would be the water, water in, in your, your bath. bath. Yeah. yeah. As far as Prince movies go, Under the Cherry Moon hands down is my favorite. What about you? Oof. No, I'm gonna have to go uh, to me, Sign of the Times is a concert movie. I guess we it's can a count movie. that. It's a concert movie. I right. count that. Yeah. And that's my favorite. Okay. Um now if we're talking acting movies but it's maybe. just the most quotable movie ever yeah I cabbage head i mean come on yeah yeah only confused men were loafers only oh, confused men were yeah, loafers I, I, I could kind of see that um if you wanted to buy a Sam Cooke album, where do you go? The Recastos. <laughs> I, mean, I still do that to one of my friends from college who was also a huge Prince fan. Yeah. And every now and then, we don't see each I haven't literally seen her for 20 years. But every now and then on Facebook, I will just put the word Recasto up on her. <laughs> and she immediately answers with a with laughy face. So, yeah. I don't know. Artistically... I thought, you know, Graffiti Bridge wasn't the greatest movie the first time I saw it, but as time has gone on and I've simmered it, I really enjoyed the story part of that. Sure. Yeah. And my absolute, well, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier about not picking a favorite Prince song, but I do have one and it's from that movie. Still would stand all time? No. Question of you. The, oh, I'm an idiot. Of course. Yeah. I mean. That is, that guitar solo cuts through my soul. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah. But that song, 
has been a lifelong that that searching for meaning and and is there really some type of faith and is there are you going to try to follow that or are you going to try not to that dichotomy has been something that is a struggle that I've had for my whole life and I think a lot of people have too and and that's a really valid question you know, what, right. what what are you who are you I identify with a song similar like that from that album Tick Tick Bang I uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that right Tick Tick Bang. I actually do love the song Tick Tick Bang. It does, but it has not impacted my life in any way. No. But you know, actually, Graffiti Bridge is kind of one of those albums where it is a little bit of a guilty pleasure love for me because mm-hmm. it is a little cheese ball. Oh you yeah, know, with T C Ellis and his. I'm a huge fan. People give Tony M a whole lot of grief, uh, saying that he's a terrible rapper. I love Tony M rap. I don't care. Uh, the the uh, T C Ellis stuff on the Graffiti Bridge album I felt was a little funny and campy. I don't know. Now, see, I like the New Power Generation Part 2 rap. I thought it was... <laughs> I really enjoyed that. What a reference. I know. I re- God, it's like, man, put this all in one song together on this so I can hear it all flow Yo, together. Kid, I got to do this. Yeah. I got the noise. I got the noise. <laughs> I got the noise. Pump the big noise. <laughs> I thought T.C. Ellis was easier to understand than Tony. Oh, um, yeah, sure. I But see, but, that, that was my thing. Like, in the early to mid-90s, New Jack Swing, I was mm-hmm. so into New Jack Swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the white guy in a tiny white town wearing my hammer pants all the time. Mm-hmm. So New Jack Swing was already my thing, and I love Prince music. And all of a sudden, Prince is doing New Jack Swing with Tony yeah. M. Yeah. Uh, it, it was that was a game changer for me. Like you start going into the diamonds of pearls album. Yeah. Uh, and a couple albums after that, he was still sticking to that new Jack swing a little bit. Yeah. I love that. Well, I, I People love hate on Tony M so much. Uh, I don't hate, I, I don't hate anyone's art. If that makes sense. There's some of it. I prefer more than others. Sure. But you know, who am I? I'm, I couldn't do what he does. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. But no, I, I thought the, the spiritual undertones of graffiti bridge touched me more than, than just about anything else. Really? Yeah. It still would stand all time. Mm-hmm. That's one that the words were amazing. The, the music was incredible, but his deep voice, like he really showed his vocal range yeah. on that album. Yeah. And that song specifically to hear Prince sing with that, all that bass, yeah. you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. Joy it, and repetition. I mean, I could go on oh, and on with really all those. Yeah. Oh, goodness sake. The yeah. George Clinton stuff. Oh yeah. Graffiti Bridge doesn't get the respect for the movie or the album though. That's I, one of those people well, make fun of. In standard Prince fashion, he did not do exactly what people thought he should do. Right. Which which is make a direct sequel to Purple Rain in the vein of Purple Rain. He didn't tell the same story necessarily yeah. and present it in the same way. Right. So we're going into, a lot of folks going into it thinking it's going to be this gritty, realistic thing. And it was more of a, you know, an MGM musical from, from the 50s, which I thought was refreshing and a good take on it. Right. Personally. And one thing I liked about the sequel is how even though it wasn't the same storyline, we had the recurring, Jill Jones was in it again, mm-hmm. although mm-hmm. she played a different person though. Yeah. I don't know if you realize that. Jill it's Jones played like hair. a love interest in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, more stayed in the time. But then we're introduced to Tevin Campbell for mm-hmm. the first time. and Robin Powers. Robin Powers. That's yeah. right. And that was the first time I'd ever heard Mavis Staples. Mavis she Staples. Made, he made me, a, that uh, movie made me a Mavis Staples fan, yeah. you know, got me into listening to more God, Sounds of Blackness and some of that other stuff sure. I'd never listened to before that. Seeing George Clinton just being George Clinton. Yeah. It's safe to say Prince is your favorite artist, right? Absolutely. Who would be number two? I think I know yours, though. Really? I want to say yours is going to be Michael Jackson because you have a son named Jackson. Can I say that on the podcast? Sure. Okay. You know, it was Michael Jackson for a long time, but 
Golly, no. I don't think so, no. Okay, who is it? I'm struggling. Okay. Um, honestly, my second favorite is Alicia Keys. I, How do you feel about Alicia's cover oh, of... Uh, are you kidding me? Now, I can't think of the name of the song, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore? Oh, beautiful. It's the best Prince cover maybe I've ever by, heard. By, by far. Yeah. Um, not, not, and not a, it's not a diss of Michael Jackson or his, his history or... I see what you did there. The alleged... Yeah, history. <laughs> it's not that. It's... Uh, I don't know that he's held up as well. Even... Uh, his songs were really good, but they were manufactured. Mm-hmm. They were designed with a specific hook, and I didn't get the feel, the funk, from Michael Jackson that I do Prince. Right. Now, at 12 years old, he was the, because I'd never seen anything like that, yeah. But as, as I've aged, and I'm, Prince has taught me to, or, you know, inspired me to listen beyond that initial hook so some of Alicia Keys stuff is artistically just beautiful and soulful and reaches you Mm -hmm. and so I would say her to be honest with you and Prince loved her yeah my second favorite artist is a guy named Freddie Johnston a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't know who he is he had a hit in 1995 called Bad Reputation Mm -hmm. and uh, did the movie score to Kingpin which is a hilarious movie Freddie's my second favorite love that guy nothing like Prince music at all it's acoustic folky but maybe my third also in the acoustic folky vein is a person Prince has actually done a couple songs with kind of secretly Ani DeFranco yeah I love Ani DeFranco and one day I'm listening to an Ani song and I was like man, this feels like a Prince song. Yeah. And I looked at the liner notes. He's doing the guitar and he's doing some of the background vocals and he co-wrote. I think they recorded at the same time that they recorded. She played guitar on Raven to the Joy Fantastic. Yep. yep. I think he did a lot of collaborations. He did. Way. He did a couple of Sheryl Crow songs yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually seen some of the concert footage of the two of them on stage together. Have you yeah. seen that too? Yeah. That's good stuff. Now we've connected it to Michael Jackson because Sheryl Crow got her start From, as a guitarist yeah. for Michael Jackson. And Well, and when we saw him in Chicago, he covered some Michael Jackson songs in the concert. He's, I think he's covered a Michael Jackson song every show. Since he passed. I've seen. Yeah. But, but old school. We're yeah. talking Jackson 5. Jackson 5 stuff, yeah. He's not up there singing bad. No. We know that story. No, he's not going <laughs> to sing bad. <laughs> Your butt is mine. Now, I don't know. You ain't going to sing that to me, and I ain't I sure as hell ain't going to sing that to you. <laughs> that Chris Rock Prince interview is one of my all-time yeah. favorites. Yeah. Because sometimes Prince is being elusive and maybe even purposefully douchey Mm -hmm. to people where they'll ask questions and he'll be disappointed in their questions. Uh, But rarely do you see Prince just open and comfortable and like doing his little character voices and having fun. That was the first time I felt like I'm seeing Prince, like uh, during an interview, really seeing the guy. I love that. When he was going on about the Michael Jackson thing, I was rolling. Yeah. You know, there was... That and then the, when Arsenio Hall brought his talk show back and he had oh, the whole right. night with Prince on there, I thought that was even deeper because I'd never seen him interact with, with people like that before. You know, just randos from the crowd and talking and giving them love and marriage advice, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> well, just okay, hysterical. so uh, before we wrap up then, what what is your favorite Prince TV appearance? Not just an interview, just maybe a live performance. I have one that, that sticks well, with me forever. the Super Bowl. Oh, I yeah. I mean, there's too many. The yeah. Super Bowl, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's the I craziest mean, thing I've ever seen. You know that uh, the the entire first Arsenio Hall show that he did. That that's got it. That goes down as my favorite, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, that that's, version that's of hard. that version of Kiss that he does on that. Yeah, 
insane. I mean, there's just too many. Well, for those of you that don't know, back in the 90s during the Arsenio Hall show, uh, Arsenio just let Prince do the whole hour, but he had Patti LaBelle LaBelle as the guest. So they would talk about Prince in between Prince playing songs, which sounds weird, but it made perfect sense while you're watching it. Right. And Prince's performances were just, I, I'd never seen anything yeah. like that before. It's back when he had my favorite Prince haircut, the Thai food do. Yeah. 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 That, that stuff was amazing. But then the Super Bowl halftime yeah. show, when the guy calls and says, Prince, we have some bad news. Looks like we have rain in the forecast. And his response is, can you make it rain harder? And right. hung up the phone. Yeah. And then what does he do? The best performance anyone's ever seen in, yeah. the, in their I lives. I mean, you know, I don't know how you would question a Super Bowl performance as how that could be topped by anybody. It could not. Yeah. And then you have that, like you said, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, he owned the entire song and didn't sing a note. The big mystery is where did the guitar go? Yeah. He tosses the Strat really high up in the air. He struts off the stage like the badass that he is. And the guitar never comes back down. Not that we see, no. It's probably still hanging up in the rafters there. <laughs> Prince is freaking magic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the faces of all of these very seasoned rock stars on stage. You're watching Tom Petty just experience just joy watching Prince because he knows. And who's who's, who's the fellow from Electric Light Orchestra who produced all of Petty's albums? I never remember that guy's name. Is it Jeff Lynn? Yes, Jeff Jeff Lynn. Jeff Jeff Lynn. Through his charcoal sunglasses, because he always wore those, you could see it on him yeah. too. And Harrison's George Harrison's son cracking up. That George Harrison's son looked like uh, he saw a naked girl for the first time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what it was like. Like we were watching his innocence go away, watching yeah. Prince play. That's, but I don't think that'd be the first time a musician has stepped on stage with him and saw absolute genius in front of him and realized. I'm a really good musician, but I'm not necessarily ever going to be that. And that's okay. You could that's tell okay. Prince knew something that no one else knew, mm-hmm. and he knew that. Yeah. Like there's so, He knew as he was stepping up there, he was about to destroy it. Yeah. Him in that red pimp suit. Oh, yeah. I, now I'm second-guessing my own favorite TV performance yeah. of all time then. Well, there is. Like I said, there's too many. There's that. Um, when he uh, did the, uh, oh, Billy Jack Bitch on American Music Awards. Oh, my God. I you forgot remember that, about one? that. Oh. Where they bring him in in like a bag. Mm-hmm. And you don't know he's on stage yet. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's sliding and he's, up and he, he's not really singing. He's lip syncing. He's got, he's chewing his gum. You know the story behind that? And he's kind of smiling. Yeah. Uh, they insisted, because of whatever policy they had going on at the time, that Prince lip sync. And Prince mm-hmm. did not want to lip sync. So he decided... If I'm going to lip sync, I want to make sure everyone knows yeah, that I'm yeah. lip syncing. So yeah. he purposely chewed gum while he, yeah. quote, And he was sang. smiling. He was, like, laughing through yeah. it. But it was still... Still the funkiest performance <laughs> I've seen. performance ever, yeah. Yeah, I love how he just appears magically. Yeah. And Tommy Barbarella's hanging from the rafters playing, yes, playing his guitar. Yeah. <laughs> the Grammys with Beyonce. Amazing. Oh, my God, you're killing me. I don't know that you can pick a... Pick one. Like I said, that's what made me, when he passed, there was a good year, year and a half, I, I couldn't listen to any of his music. Yeah. I, I couldn't, uh, you know, all the accolades were coming on and everybody was, I'm like, you know what? I, I almost was angry. Yep. It's like, folks, you had this in front of you for all these years and now you're paying attention to it. Right. And it was literally like, it hit me almost as hard as when my dad died. I was just weeping and I just I, it took me a long time to be able to listen yeah I struggled with this I couldn't understand why I was so 
emotional for so long mm-hmm. over the passing of a human I have never met in person. Yeah. And of course, I've seen people like when Michael died, a lot of people were really upset, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew that one day Prince would die and I would be upset. I didn't know, and you know, I get a little embarrassed to admit it, but I didn't know that I would just randomly, months and now even years after his passing, I could just randomly get upset that yeah. Prince is gone. Yeah. What is that about? I've never met the it's, guy. But it's common. I'm hearing from other Prince fans that yeah. are going through the same thing where they're something just hits them one day, months later, and they just start crying. Oh, yeah. There's never going to be a guy a, they've never met. And part of it is the struggle with knowing there's new music there. I And maybe it's just me. I'm almost not wanting to hear it. because It's just you. It, well, <laughs> I, I tell you, I respect his artistry so much. If he didn't feel like he wanted us to hear it. Right, I understand. If he wasn't, if he wanted us to hear it, he would have finished it and put it out. Now, maybe that was going to be his his plan. Mm-hmm. Well, we all have plans that we don't get to to complete, obviously. Sure. So, hearing some of that, it, I'm I'm on the I'm on the fence about hearing it. I really am. On the one hand, I'm like, God, I want to hear this Miles yeah. Davis stuff. Well, okay, can I play devil's advocate with you? Sure, on this? absolutely. Let's say that we allegedly went to a thing called Prince Fest uh-huh. and were introduced to bootlegs allegedly and then let's just say that we've also been able to find bootlegs through the years at Mm -hmm. record stores back when they existed Mm -hmm. the first time i heard the song crucial Mm -hmm. before it before prince wanted us to hear it yeah or bob george uh oh the black album's (laughs) a great example um movie star the song movie Movie star Star. yeah the original version of didn't he do original version of jerk out oh that's another i've heard that yeah that's, oh, sorry. That, that, that's another, uh, how about the demos that he recorded for songs that he wrote for other people? Right. So I have copies, allegedly, of Prince singing Martika songs right. that he wrote for Martika. Right. You know, things like that. So when you say, yeah, Prince didn't want to hear it, yeah, you're right, he didn't. But, oh, my God, it sounds so good to hear him. I, it is. I know. You got the right one, baby, the Diet Pepsi the, the song The Diet Pepsi Charles. song for Ray Charles, yeah. I a bought, lot of folks don't remember that he he wrote that. I bought that bootleg CD, allegedly, yeah. uh, at a Prince Fest. Yeah. I, I guess, it, for me, it's different because he's passed. Yeah. And, you know, there's no way of telling. Maybe he would have remastered those bootlegs and put them out. There's, there's just no way to tell it. And now it's so final. Mm-hmm. Now you've got lawyers and family members deciding that for him. And it does feel gross. I it agree. It feels yeah. like a money grab. And I oh, never yeah. felt like with Prince, anything he necessarily did was a money grab. It was, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I hope I hope you dig it. Right. And I, you knew he he loved it if you did, and he fed off of that too. But at the same time, it never made him compromise what he was going to release or how he was going to release it or when he was going to release it. He never, you know, the great joy of seeing Prince live was knowing, okay, if I hear Kiss tonight, it may be completely different, and it probably will be it completely will be. different yeah, yeah. than how I've ever heard it before. Yep. And that's what's sad to me now is now when this music comes out, that's just it. The only way you're ever going to experience it. And for him not to be alive to do that, it almost feels wrong to me. Now, and that doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm critical of anyone else who wants to hear that. Great. Right. And I may give it a listen, but it's, it's still a grieving process. I mean, it's what going on three years now and it's, I'm almost still grieving a little bit and people, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that just doesn't make sense. But when somebody touches your heart and your soul and has guided you, excuse the metaphor, but it's a lot like how Christians view Jesus or Muslims view Muhammad. They never met the guy, you well, know, that's, but that's, I don't part of worship the thing. him that way. No, no, but. I, I totally get what you're saying because that's part of the thing. He's 
this guy that's not going to die. Number one, we knew he's taking care of himself. The guy is like straight up vegan. It was the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, th- this guy, he's going to be fine. Yeah. He's going to live. He's going to live everybody that we know. Yeah. So he wasn't supposed to go. No. Um, and there's something just mysterious and magic about him. It did feel like he was a little bit unreal and unhuman mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that just added to the surprise of his passing. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you did, when you contacted me about doing this, I finally said, and I have listened to some music off and on, but for whatever reason, I put in, um, 3121 mm-hmm. and just looped black sweat over and over again. That reminds me of you every time I hear it. Yeah. And because <laughs> that's, well, thank you so much. It reminds me because I was working at a radio station in Lafayette playing the song black sweat. And I hadn't talked to you in a right. few years. That's right. Because I had moved to Florida. I've been moving all over with my mm-hmm. radio career. And you just happened to be passing through Lafayette that day, right. listening to that radio station. You called Studio Line, Dana? Like, yeah. It was because Black Sweat was on. So that's whenever right. I hear it, I think of you. Yeah. Because that's a rare. But yeah, that brought me back uh, and was able to finally make me smile a little bit again and thinking of him because for so long it had been just tears. Yeah. You know, the whole sometimes when it snows it or it yeah. snows in April thing. It just When I saw the revolution uh, about a year ago play in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was in the beginning of them doing that tour thing. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Uh, they, <laughs> you've been to 19 Prince concerts. That's I don't want to hear That's true. Uh, when they get to the part where they play, sometimes it snows in April, Wendy kind of loses it. Yeah. There was not a dry eye in the house. Right. I mean, we were all crying with Wendy. It was, it was the most incredible moment. Mm. Uh, those are therapeutic and needed, but I try not to sink into that when I'm alone too much. Right. The Emancipation album is what I'm digging on because it just it varies depending on what's going on in my yeah. life. But right now I'm just like the the upbeat songs in Emancipation have been my jam. Like yeah. uh, New World and Slave and songs like that. Mm-hmm. They're just like oh my god. Style. It's, it's I like love style. Style. It's like I'm rediscovering this album all yeah. over again. Yeah. Because I literally, Emancipation three CD set. It was a lot when you first get it. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. And I stuck to Prince's cover of One of Us. I played mm-hmm. that song to death. Yeah. And I'm now inspired to dig into my closet to pull out the Gold Experience. Oh, that's one of the best albums ever. Are you kidding? I, 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 you didn't like it? I what? loved it. Okay. You made me very nervous. I then. was sad that it wasn't more popular at the time than what it was, but I mean. 319 is probably my favorite track on there, yeah. Billy Jack Bitch. But I can't pick a favorite because I love them all for different reasons. Yeah. Dolphin yeah. is an amazing track, but 319. Did you see him do Dolphin on Letterman? Yes. Now, I heard this on an interview with Morris Hayes. Just before they were going to perform, Prince found out that Dave was going to call him over for a quick interview. And he didn't want to look rude, but he also didn't want to do an inter- right. interview with Dave. So he says, hey, guys, we're changing up the end of the song. I'm going to die at the end of the song, and you have to drag me out. <laughs> That's Perfect. how he got out of doing the interview. Perfect. The whole band's like, well, we got to change. They had a whole thing planned. They had to change the whole thing up so that Prince could do the whole yeah. gun to the head thing and be dragged out. And the end of it on Letterman you is Letterman going, on, Dave going, is he okay? Is he all right? <laughs> uh, I guess we'll be right back. Classic. That's He controlled everything. Yeah. Man. All right, Jason. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with oh, me today. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you so much for checking out My Prince Story, the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at My Prince Podcast and check out the show notes on the website, myprincepodcast.com. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. 
Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.